You know, I think, um, you know, if you, I was just thinking of it now when we're singing, singing the song, if you sit on an airplane and somebody's next to you and you've got this song on your phone, you can just give your headphone to the guy next door and say, well, you just listen to this and you'll receive Jesus. Because everybody's so scared because they think they're guilty. That's the whole thing. You're guilty. But God clearly says in Ephesians 1 that He says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places as He has chosen us before the foundation of the world to be holy, blameless before Him in love. So what He said is, this is basically what He said. He says, from before the foundation of the world, God chose that the only platform from where He's going to even start to have a relationship with man is the platform of man being holy, man being blameless, man being before Him in His love for man. That's the only platform. The platform is not you owe God. The platform is God has made you innocent. That's the platform. And he says, let us, let us, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? With righteousness as a free gift. Gerechtigheid, gratis, vrye verniet. He gave it for free as the platform from where we start our relationship with God. You know, holiness is not what we try to get. It's where we start. <laughs> it's where we start because of the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. You know, this gospel is so simple. But the more I speak the simplicity of this word, I find the more I believe it. <laughs> the more simple, the better. You know, and the vision is not to preach something else, but to preach this over and over and over. And we find our hearts believing it. You know, last night I was uh, speaking um, to my sister uh, and, and we were talking about and, and just fellowshipping around the gospel a bit. The gospel works like this. It's something that you hear but it only brings forth a change of life when you believe it. Now that belief cannot come from your willpower. That belief is something that's natural to a human being. If you get connect, enough of the correct information, you will believe something. If I come and I show you a lot of photos of, say for instance, I, I go to uh, the, the Africa bush, and I show people photos of Cape Town, everything here, you know. But I Photoshop the stuff, and I put things in here that's not here. And I lie to them. If they get enough of that information, they'll eventually believe what I say. That's how belief works. Belief is just an outflow of a human being. It comes naturally to us if we get the correct information. So when we get the correct information on how much God loves us, then we can start to believe in Him. Not believe Him to do something for us. His provision is already uh, uh, included in who He is. The Bible even says, why do you worry about uh, clothes and food and all these things. Look at the birds of the air. The birds of the air aren't these believers confessing the scripture every day. But God cares for them. And God was trying to say there, listen, this is not of you trying to persuade God to do something for you. We just, just here we were sitting and we were talking about, you, you know, the gospel. It's, it's sometimes it's if we humble ourselves, we've got this, this concept. If we pray right through the night and if we humble ourselves and do everything right, then we're going to persuade a God to do something that He really wants to do. He says, no, I want to save man, but I can't save man unless you do this some magic, I don't know what. 
you know, to try and get God to do something. No, no, He's, he, he's the active one. He's the one that moves. He's the one that, that did everything to bring a platform of innocence from where we start our relationship with God. I want to tell you, you cannot have a quality relationship with anybody in the atmosphere of guilt. It is impossible. Listen, if you owe somebody 50,000 rand and you cannot pay him, you're not going to bribe there every weekend. And he's not coming, you're not inviting him to come to your house for a bribe. Why? Because the guilt is what removes you. Because you feel guilty. Now what God came and did in Jesus, He didn't say to you, Jesus isn't a, a, a bigger law on how to stop doing the wrong thing. Jesus is, you're not guilty anymore. You have the guilt, in this, you've, you've got the debt, but Jesus took it away. And if you can believe your innocence, then a relationship can start. And who the other person is can influence your life unto a new kind of a life. Hallelujah, man. Now, you know, the, the, the human mind, uh, <laughs> through so many, you know, I found this thing. We, in Christianity, have made common sense. We said that's unbelief. And I want to explain that. You know, we, common sense tells you, if a person puts you through a hard time to teach you, for some mysterious reason, there's something wrong with the guy. We will say, we will not. That's common sense. If somebody, imagine you've got a friend, and just one day, what he does, he walks past your car, just take a knife, stab holes in three tires, you know, so you can struggle. And then when you stand there in this hard time, and then you phone him up and tell the friend, listen, you know, I've got four flat tires here, will you come and help me? Then he comes out and helps you to show you that he's a friend that will help you. Man, there's something wrong with that guy. Common sense says this guy needs serious prayer. Maybe a devil cast out of him or something. Or a psychiatrist. He needs help. There's something wrong with the guy. Because he will put you through a hard time to, so that you can call on him so that he can come and restore the thing. There's something wrong. Common sense says that doesn't work. But when it comes to Christianity, common sense is thrown out of the window as unbelief. It's just unbelief. No, no. Thank God for common sense. Now, this morning I said to Elena, I said, you know, the, the, a human being has got a brain that's, that can think different than that of an animal. And the reason why we can think and reason is so that it can enable us to have a good relationship with God. But in Christianity, a, a proper reasoning was taken out of the equation. No, no, you just believe blindly. I, I, don't, I can't have blind faith. I need to understand. And every human being needs to understand. You know what Paul comes? Paul prays. He prays for the believers. He says, I pray, now that you are, I heard of your faith, so you heard that they've received Jesus. He says, now I pray for you, that you will understand. Understand. Comprehend the love of God. Because in the measure that you can comprehend and understand what a loving, caring father he is, and that he is a friend, in that measure, you'll find 
the newness of God's life manifesting in your life and you will have peace that surpasses understanding that's common sense and we've, we've like thrown it out of the window because in being weird in being weird I've seen funny things in churches man I've really seen some funny stuff I want to read this verse just to explain to you and, and oh, I forgot even to greet the guys via the internet Welcome, all the people from all over the world watching. Um, you know, this, <laughs> I want to direct this first verse towards church leaders that watch me. Um, I, want, I want you to know the absolute or the great responsibility we have as leaders to preach the correct gospel. And I want to read it from John 20, verse 21 to 23. And this is what it says. It says, Then said Jesus unto them. This was when Jesus appeared to his disciples this is what he said he says peace unto you as my father has sent me so have I sent you so as Jesus was sent by the father so he sent his disciples to do what listen to this and when he had said this he breathed on them and said unto them receive the Holy Ghost whosoever sins you forgive they are forgiven them and whosoever sins you keep back they will be kept back now I want to explain that my goodness, you know, we've got such a responsibility. Jesus said, as the Father have sent me, so have I sent you. Now, how did the Father send Jesus? He sent Jesus to do what? To take away sin, to remit sin, to forgive sin, to, tell, to, to make people innocent. And then he says, as the Father sent me, so sent I you. Whosoever you forgive or declare as forgiven, their sins shall be forgiven them. Now I want to explain that. It's not that God keeps it against them, and when you tell them God forgives you, then God forgives them. No, no. God brought forgiveness 2,000 years ago. And now people live in guilt and condemnation, feeling there's, uh, uh, um, there's something wrong between them and God, most of the time because of tradition. What we've been taught through so many years in all different kinds of faith. I want to tell you, uh, uh, this might sound very harsh and uh, please hear my heart. But the Muslim faith, the Buddhist faith, the, the, all, all these self-help programs and all those kind of things, including the traditional way of Christianity, is just the same thing. It's just the same thing. It is man's effort to please some God. That's what it is. But that's not what Christianity is about. And we have formed our view and our opinion about God uh, of, uh, based on what we've heard through so many years. Because of traditions, because people had to be controlled, people had to be manipulated, the church belonged to the state, you know, and we want the, the people in a certain way, and we've fallen into this trap of works righteousness. And here he comes and he says, Whosoever you declare as forgiven shall be forgiven. In that old system, we get the mindset of we are guilty. You know, like I said many times, when I, when I meet somebody for the first time, um, the, the, the one guy, he, he, I, I went and we bought some grass. You know, we wanted to put some grass under a tree there, plant some grass. So I went and I bought some grass. The one guy that I... said, not grass. Oh, grass is wheat. <laughs> yeah, the English people. Sorry, man. You know what it is. Not grass. You know, English has changed. 
That's why I always need a preacher to explain. <laughs> we went to get some lawn. <laughs> Those guys watching, I'm not smoking anything. Lawn. <laughs> in Africa, things are wild, you know. So uh, got some lawn, put it in under the tree there. So this guy, you know, he said to me, so what do you do? So I knew. If whatever I say is gonna, he's gonna feel so guilty because he's been swearing and cussing now for 15 minutes. So I said to him, "Well, oh, you know, I, I do some. I didn't, I didn't want to preach then or anything. I said to him, "Well, you know, I'm just busy with some relief work in Zambia." And then he realized, "Oh my goodness, this guy might, might be some missionary." He changed his language. He took out a cigarette to relax. <laughs> Really? He walked to the other side of the field, walked up and down, and then came to me and then started to talk. No more swearing. You see how he, he believes he's guilty. He believes he's guilty. That's why when, when I, if he must hear any, any connection to God, it's guilt. So this guy cannot have a relationship with God. It's impossible for him to have a relationship with God because God is not angry. So anything, any, any conversation, anything you do will be based on guilt and God will deal with an a, 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 a actor. Because this guy is acting according to his guilt. Doing things he thinks he must do for this God that's unconscious. But he's innocent. In the very same way, if he can hear, and any person, because of tradition, we've been hearing this message of guilt all the time, if we can hear we are innocent, then we will be innocent. In other words, if somebody can tell you you're innocent, and you can believe it, you'll experience innocence. Yes. The truth. This is what he says, As the Father has sent me, so sent I you. Whosoever sins you declare as forgiven, it shall be forgiven them. For them, they will know, I am forgiven. Whoso, listen to this, and this is what I want to say to all the preachers watching. Whosoever sins, you keep back. Yeah. It shall be kept back for them. What a responsibility we have as preachers to always tell people that the Lamb of God took away the sin of the whole world. You know, a person, let's take that person where I went and bought the lawn from. <laughs> if he, he will walk with that guilt until somebody declares him innocent. He will have a life based on guilt until the day he dies. His prayer life, his concept about God, his concept about anything to do with the Bible will all be born from guilt. So he will be a slave. A slave of what? A slave of the lie that he is this big sinner. He'll be a slave. He needs to be saved from that because that is killing him now and it will destroy him forevermore. Because he will even die in the concept of God is this angry taskmaster. But the moment he can get the revelation that he's innocent, the moment he does, he says, okay, I believe. 
Yes, Jesus, you did it for me. You took away all my sin. The platform is, I am innocent, and from this platform I will live forevermore, having a relationship with you. The moment he believes upon that, then he receives the Holy Spirit. Amen. That doesn't mean he falls over, roll on the ground, and pray in tongues. <laughs> Sometimes you get the weirdest things. This guy receives, he gets born from God inside his inner being. And this is what the Bible then says. He says to, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born of me. What it means is you cannot understand these things unless the platform from where you think is changed. Unless your life is born from what I've come to do. Unless you've believed on what I've done. When we believe on what is done, what do we believe? We believe that He came and took away all guilt to include mankind in the Trinity. <laughs> I tell you, this is serious stuff. To include a man in the Trinity so that the fellowship that the Father has with the Son in the Holy Spirit, that we can be partakers of that absolute innocence and serenity of, of life, that we can experience an absolute clean, crystal clear life between us and God. God had such a quality of life between the Father and the Son before the earth was even made that He said we need to make somebody that somebody can also experience this quality of life. And the Father was definitely not sitting with Ten Commandments telling the Son, you will obey these Ten Commandments. Even telling the Son He need to tithe to be blessed. That's a lie. You know, the quality of life that there was between Jesus and the Father is called eternal life. You know, eternal life in the Greek talks about uh, perpetual time or unending time, but it also talks about a quality of life. The God quality of life. You cannot have quality of life in the presence of guilt. That's why the woman, when she was caught in the very act of adultery, the first thing Jesus did was He removed the accusers. He said to the accusers, listen, you that are without sin, uh, throw the first stone. They were guilty. They felt guilty. They left her, and there she was alone. Then Jesus asked her, where are your accusers? Then she says, there's nothing accusing me. And after he said, there's nothing accusing me, then he could speak to her. Says, and then she could hear that he also does not condemn her. That's what Jesus did. He first removed all accusation. Then he made sure she understood that she was not condemned. Where's your accusers? No, I'm not standing in, in condemnation anymore. Okay, let me talk to you. The relationship with God starts from the platform of seeing every form of accusation taken away from you. In this life, you want to be accused by so many things. If I look at my life, I can be accused by, Bertie, your ministry needs to reach more people. If you don't reach more, it means you're not a growing ministry. That's an accuser. If I embrace that accusation, you know, I'll struggle to hear the voice of God. The, and His voice is the message of union with Him. No separation from Him. I'll struggle to hear that. I will hear I'm separated. Well, I must, you know, a, 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 an accuser will be this. Well, if you're at this age, you must have so much money. I'm not saying at a certain age you're not supposed to, I mean you will not have a certain amount of money. But to say you must have it at that time to be blessed. 
oh my goodness. Or these people need to be your friends. If they're not your friends, you're not in. And then mixing it with Christianity, taking the worldly standard, using that as the measuring reed by which we measure the blessings of God. My goodness, it can't work that way. God has come to give us this brand new life. So we are there to declare this brand new message, which was from the beginning, which I will explain a bit more now. The Bible says here, it talks about the old wine, uh, or the new wine and the new wineskins. I want to just read this from uh, the message translation. It says, he went on, uh, Jesus went on, this was his parable. He says, I think it's Matthew 9, he says, no one cuts a fine silk scarf to patch old working clothes. No one cuts a fine silk scarf to patch old working clothes. We're not into patching the law system. <laughs> Grace is not God's patch on the law. We try to keep the law, and wherever we make a mistake, thank God for grace. He patches it there with grace. No, 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 no. Throw away the old thing, the whole old garment. This new message is not there to patch the old system. It's not what it's for. We don't do that, because it's not going to work. And it says, and you don't put your wine in cracked bottles. You don't put your good wine in cracked bottles. Listen, I was in... Listen to how ridiculous this is. I was in Schiphol in Holland. So there are like an hour or two, two hours before the next flight. So I walked up and down. There was this um, bottle store and they were selling expensive liquor. So I walked past and I saw this whiskey in the window. Guess what the whiskey costs? 200, this is now one bottle, 750 milliliters. A 1926 whiskey, 250,000 euro, excluding that. <laughs> That's a rich bro. <laughs> 200. I said, no way. So I, w I w went in, into the bottle store. Yes, I was in the bottle store. I went into the bottle store. <laughs> And I looked at the cheapest wines they've got there. The cheapest wine is a thousand rand a bottle. You know? It's like you're not taking your wine there or your whiskey and you're putting that whiskey in a cracked bottle. No. Because if it falls on the carpet, the co it, it just doesn't have the same worth anymore. In the same way with this gospel of grace, we don't try and build it on the foundation of the law. God is gracious as long as what you do all these things. The moment you do it, you're taking to an expense. Listen, what can, if, if they could have the blood of Jesus in a bottle today, what do you think will it go for? You can't even Okay? Now, and, and that's, you can't even measure it in money. So how do you want to take the message of the innocence of man and build it in a cracked law bottle? How's it there? You're going to lose it. You can't do it. So here we sit with a message where we're declaring the innocence of people. We declare people as forgiven. And we're not going to try and base that on other foundation. We've got a new bottle, a new wineskin. We keep the, the foundation of God's grace is the love that God has for us. Who He is. The Trinity that I'm going to explain a little bit more today. 
The difference between Christianity and other beliefs is this. Number one, like I said earlier today, God is a humble God. Our God is a humble God. He's a God that wants to serve man. He's not a self-centered God. Now, unfortunately, um, you know, even if you, if, if you hear this for the first time, even if it's 10 years from now, somebody listening to the message on the internet, um, God is seen as a self-centered God by the way He was preached for years. But He's not a self-centered God. It's not all about me. It's not all about I want servants. Like I said, God didn't, God didn't have kids because He was in need of worship. Common sense tells you, <laughs> if a father and a mother or husband and wife come together and they have children for the purpose of the children worshipping the parents, there's something wrong with the parents. Isn't it? I didn't have three boys to sing my praises. Now that I have three boys for the purpose of washing the car and cleaning the garden, that's not why I have them. The reason why I have children is to, is, is, number one, I want them to have the knowledge I have about God and this wonderful life. I want them to have that. And then when I'm older, you know, and even now, I want friends. I want them to be my friends. It's nice to joke with them. It's nice to chat with them. As they become older, I can share deeper things with them about this life and about how I see things. And they can talk back and give their view and their opinion. That's what I want. And I want to tell you, that's why God also made us. Will they wash the car every now and then? Yes, but that's not why I have them. In the very same way, you know, uh, uh, God came to... Our God is a God that's humble. Another thing that makes us... Christianity different than any other religion is this. We have a trinity. And I want to explain. That's the most beautiful part. That's the deepest revelation of Christianity there can be. Is the trinity. And I want to explain it. It's difficult to explain though. <laughs> but I'm going to try. God in heaven before the earth was made or anything was made. He had a quality of life between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Because the Bible says Jesus pre-existed the creation of the world. The Bible actually says everything was made by Him. Okay, and for Him, which is wonderful. He was there, and the, Him and the Father had a wonderful relationship based on certain principles. Principles like having adoration for the other one. Okay, so the father had adoration for the son, and the son had an adoration for the father, and, and, and so for the Holy Spirit, back and forth. And they had a wonderful quality of life. And like I said last week, imagine you've got um, you, you, you parents and you've got a son, and you have got the best family life that you can ever imagine. You are really friends. The only way outsiders can describe you as a family is you are one. That's the only way they can describe you. You are one. In, in English we'll say that's a close family. They are so close. It will be wrong to say they are apart. You will say they can't live without each other. They love each other. They, they like to visit. They like to fellowship with each And imagine this awesome family. They enjoy their life so much and they drive in a car. And they see street kids. And they say, listen, why don't we give someone else the opportunity to come into this kind of a life? Now, the only way that a, 
a street kid can be part of that life is if he's adopted into the equality of the sun. If he cannot be adopted into the equality of the sun, he cannot enjoy that quality of life. You can get the street kid to come and clean your house, okay, but then he will have a better life, but it will not be in the equality of that trio, if you want to say it like that. That unit, that union, that one family. The only way will be if he can be adopted. And then the only way for him to experience that life is if he can really believe he is now a son. If he cannot believe he is a son, but he thinks he's a street kid, he will not experience that quality of life. And that's why it's very difficult many times when you adopt children, you know, because not because of the parent's goodness, but because of the belief of the child. The child struggles to believe. And the very same way when it comes to God, you know, he, he, he was there and he had this awesome quality of life. And then he, they said to each other, let us make a man. Let us make man. And I said this last week, but there many of you weren't here. You know, God worked on the first day and he created and he said it was good. He worked on the second day and he created and he said it was good. On the third day and it was good. On the fourth day it was good. First day it was good. But he continued to work. He could never stop to work. Because every time he makes something he sees it's good, but it could not give him rest. And then he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Because the animals weren't in the image and the likeness of God. Neither were the, the planet in the image and the likeness of God, although it was perfect. Perfection could not satisfy God. But then when he made man in his image and in his likeness, and he blew, blew the breath of life, blew. No, I, I can't get that whiskey out of my mind. <laughs> When he blew the breath of life into man, then it meant that the Spirit of God, which was in the Godhead, came and lived in man, and then Adam sat in the Godhead. Because one of the three is now indwelling a man. And it gave Adam the right to the quality of life that God possesses. That is so far removed from rules and regulations and all those kind of things. It's a quality of life that is found in the one having an adoration for the other one. And God first came and adored us. And when we can see His adoration towards us, that's the starting place of us adoring Him, for He first loved us. That's why it's so important for preachers and anybody that shares the gospel to bring a message where the one who listens will not be upset with his God, but will find adoration rising in his heart towards that God because that's the building blocks of relationship with God. Amen. Hallelujah! <laughs> so here this God comes, He makes a man. His spirit went into that man. That man decided not, and, and, and uh, this is a whole other teaching, decided not to partake of that. But God said, I will restore this. I want this. And the Bible says, and God's word. In the beginning was the word. What word? That word, word in the Greek, let me just read you some of the meanings of that. Um, the Logos. I want to just read uh, John 1 here. It says, In the beginning was the Word, was talking about Jesus, 
and the word was with God and the word was God but why did John didn't why didn't John say in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God he used the word word the Greek word logos where we get our English word logic from now logic is is, is actually difficult to explain because logic is a way of thinking that's based on certain principles so God has got a certain logic God's logic on, on life and how to live is not rule-keeping. God's logic is called grace. And I want to explain grace. It is the word influence. The logic from where God functions is influence. He'll influence you. And you have got an influence upon Him. You say, Bertie, but you want to make God too low now. No, no. He, that's how He is. It's not for God to be humble, to be friendly, to love, to give, to be merciful, to serve, does not come unnaturally for Him. It's natural for God to be like that. If you don't like that about God, He's going to irritate the living daylights out of you because that is who He is. That is who He is. If you want to say, no, but it's not that way, the message, the concept of who God is was portrayed in Jesus. And what did He do? He came and He, he, he loved the sinner, man. He was good to the prostitute. He rebuked the religious and loved the prostitutes. The religious came to Jesus. Peter, he see, he, they came and, and the, the, the woman came and washed Jesus' feet with her tears, with the, with the oil. He says, if you knew what kind of a woman this is, you wouldn't have, you know, uh, um, you wouldn't have let she, let she touched, touch you. So what did Jesus say? Listen, look at what she's done. She's washed my feet with her tears. Sorry, I, I mixed two things there together. But she, she washed her feet with, it, with her tears. And when she washed her feet with her tears, he said to the one that wanted to be religious, what did you ever give me? You never ever gave me something, but you want to come here against her. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And those who are forgiven much, love much. But those who are forgiven little, love little. So if you want to see people really love God, preach how much they've been forgiven. Don't make forgiveness such a small message. Make it the biggest message, for that will produce a bigger love in people's hearts. Because the message of forgiveness is what what brings forth this new life amen and she came wash his feet with said, this is a dirty woman she touches if he was a real man of god he wouldn't let this woman touch her they were thinking that something dirty that touches god can make god dirty no 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 if something that's dirty touches god the dirty one is made clean because his power is greater than any guilt or filth or anything ever. Amen. So here this word was in the beginning. God's concept of how he functions was in the beginning. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was nothing made that was made. The Logos is the reasoning, the motive, the divine exp expression, the computation, the meaning behind what is said. So, the, 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 the best way I can explain the word is this. You know, I don't know if I've mentioned it here, but at our home, you know, we've got a burbu. Now that burbu, when the burbu lies at the gate, the burbu talks. 
although the burbul sleeps. Okay? Any thief walking past there, the burbul says, injury, hospital, death. The burbul even gives advice. Says, don't steal here. Go to another place. So the burbul can talk. But the burbu cannot speak Afrikaans or English or anything. But the very being of the burbu says who and what he is and why is therefore. In the same way, the Bible says in the beginning was the word of God. And that word of God became flesh and dwelt among us so that we can see the intent of God, the original intention of God. What was God's original intention? To indwell a man. That was his original intention, so that a man can partake in the quality of God's life. That's what it is. So what happens when, we, when Jesus came to the earth? Here was a man that said, I want to live by rules and regulations. God said, I'll incarnate myself into human flesh. The moment he incarnated himself into human flesh, Jesus was the representative of us all. He obeyed on our behalf. He died on our behalf. And then as a human being was raised up, seated at the very right hand of God in the Godhead. One of the most difficult scriptures to understand is Colossians 2 verse 10, where it says that in Jesus, it says you need nothing. Because in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead in a human body. And you have that fullness. My goodness. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're not disqualified. Jesus is called the way. The fact that a human being is seated in the Godhead means that anybody who's got human flesh has got the way or the right to the quality of life that Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit possess. You've got a right to have peace even if you lose everything. You've got a right to be happy and not, to, not for your life to be determined by the things of this world. I remember, last night we were talking about it. You know, I lived in a house in Potchefstroom. We went out of that house for a long time when they said it's not fit for humans to live in and they bulldozed the place down. Where grass was growing on the inside of the house. The cracks in the wall were so big that the wind blew through the wall. You can close all the windows, it doesn't help. We lived there. The wall was leaning over like this to fall over any time. We lived there. But because we had, the, had access to the quality of life that God has, free from our effort, free from trying to confess four scriptures to be happy, we found that inner joy and we could not see the quality of that house. We were happy there. Like I said, I was even happy in Douglas. Because I've got a different kind of quality of life. Because we've tapped into something completely different. It's not ten laws anymore. It is not obedience to the voice of God for something. If there's anything like obedience to the voice of God, it is we obey this voice. What word? What voice? The voice of God incarnated into a human being. And that human is seated at the right hand of God. And that quality of life is what defines you. And we make use of that every day. Thank you, Lord. The other day they said the oil price is going to just skyrocket more. And then fuel 
became 60 cents per liter more or something, you know? So when that knocks at your door, what do you do? Thank God that I've got a life where, which is eternal. I will live forever. And even if I die in this world, even if things don't work out the way it's supposed to work out in this world, I don't have to try and work up enough joy. I've got a happiness in me based on who He is. Because He is the revelation of the Father. And we are invited into this feast. So many times, you know, the, the, the parable where it says, um, He went out to invite people to come to the wedding feast. We think He invited them to come to work for Him. No, no, no. He invited to a wedding feast. Where you're going to feast on what He provides to eat. And what He puts down is the flesh of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? I eat, I partake of the fact that God became a human being. And I partake of the fact that His blood flowed, making me innocent. That's what I eat every day at the feast. I eat my innocence, I drink my innocence, and I eat my partaking of the Godhead. The Trinity is a place of fellowship where man was invited into. And even when Adam said, I don't want to partake of this, God knew that there will be other people that want to. And He brought the last Adam, Jesus, that is seated there. So that we've got an eternal message saying, anybody who wants is welcome. Amen. The good news of Jesus. We look at the sun and see God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. I want to tell you, you cannot find, you cannot find your purpose. What it says there is when you see the sun, you see the Father. And what do we see in the Son? We see God's willingness to invite us to His quality of life. For man to be part of the Godhead. Now listen to this. When the Father is in heaven and, 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 and Jesus was in heaven in spiritual form, when the Father thought something, it was immediately in the mind of the Son. And when the Son would think of something, it was immediately in the, in the mind of the Father. I see that even with Eliana and I, after being married now almost 18 years, I can think of something and then I'll find within some seconds you'll start to talk about it. Because there's a unity between us. You know, or I will think of an idea and I will find, but she was thinking of the same idea. Now if that can work on this planet, <coughs> between physical people, how much more between us and God? Between the Father and the Son? And that is how God speaks to us. That's how we fellowship. It's not this, oh, God is from far. No, the Bible says God came near to us to even indwell us so that, our, so that His thought is our thought. Isn't that beautiful? So that His will can be our will. Now, that sounds too easy, but I won't tell you it's the truth. In my heart, I want to go to Zambia. I want to go there. Now you can say, but badly did God command you to go there? No, God didn't command me to go there. I want to go there. 
But where do you get this will? Listen, I'm seated in the Godhead. This will, I believe, is born from God. It's something I want. It's something close to me. But what we've done in Christianity is we've seen we've got our will, and God has got His will over there, you know. But once we get born again, I believe, the Holy Spirit comes and He puts, we have surrendered the human willpower kind of a life to who God is. And His will becomes our will. Given we continue to fellowship with this mindset of we are part of fellowship, man. From there healing flows. From there every kind of provision flows. It's like going to Zambia. Say for instance, I, I want to go to Zambia. I speak to God. I say, God, you know, I want to go to Zambia. If I want it, He also wants it. Right? I want to give you a practical explanation of how God even made man. I want it, then God wants it. Then He'll give me good advice because He's got a gift to know the future. So He will tell me, you know, I will have a thing in my heart not to do it this month, but next month. Like in December, I wanted, I wanted to go to Zambia, and then I felt... I want to go, but not in December anymore. And people say, but did you hear God? No, I didn't go and listen to hear God. I believe God lives in us. So now, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't go in December. Thank God I didn't go, because I wouldn't have survived America. I preach sometimes seven sessions a day in America, plus counseling people, sometimes sleeping four hours a night. All the time working with people and with problems people have. Now that can make you tired. Okay? I did that for five weeks. I had one day off. One day. I worked like that. I wouldn't have survived it. But I came back, you know, and I thank God that it was that way. But I still got a desire to go to Zambia. So God has got this wonderful thing. I want to go to Zambia. God says, okay, but this time will make you tired. Then I say, okay, I'm willing to go. God, I've got a physical body, I can go. You don't have one to send there, so, but I've got one that's willing to go. Okay? Say so it comes to the financial provision. Lord, you've got a spirit that can work in somebody else without me manipulating or controlling him, making him 20 promises of how God's going to bless him. So I, I'll go. It's like I believe for the Father says, let's save man. Then Jesus said, well, incarnate me into a human body, I'll go. The Father came with the idea. Jesus said, that's fine, I'll go. And then the Holy Spirit says, listen, and then when you, I'll raise you up from the dead, and you sit in the Godhead, and then whosoever believes in you, I'll go over them, and then they can have the quality of life we have. It was like a team effort. That is how relationship is with God. That's how any decision, we, we live in this world, that's how it's supposed to function. From that joy, with the fear of, what if I'm wrong, taken out of the way. Abram comes. And I, I want to end off with this. Abram comes, this is so beautiful. He comes in Genesis 20. And he dwells in the area of, of Abimelech. I think it was Abimelech. And he, he had, a, Sarah was old, but, I mean, she was in the 90s. She had to be pretty, because Abraham said, let's say you are my sister, lest they kill me to have you. Now, if your wife's 90, you don't have to fabricate, and she's ugly, you don't have to fabricate that kind of a lie. 
So here he comes, he lies about his wife. And didn't lie for just a while. He did it for a very long time. If you go and read it in Genesis. I'm not going to read all 18 verses now, but that's what happened. He lied. So they came and, and, and then they took Sarah. Bimelech took Sarah for his wife. No, this is my sister. And then even Sarah lies. No, I am his sister. And then the king, when he, we would think it was just the next day, but it wasn't. If you just go and read, it was a long time. When the king couldn't have any children. Because why? Because he took Sarah, if you go and read it. And then uh, God came in a dream. Not to Abraham, to tell Abraham, you liar, why did you lie? I'm going to kill you. No, no, no. He came in a dream to the king. Because the king was, supposed, was about to take Sarah into, his, to, into her courts, to sleep with her. Then he said, listen, this is how, how God in the dream appears to the king. This is what God says. You're as good as dead. That's what it says in the King James. You are as good as dead. Then he says, For the woman you're about to take is a married woman. Then Bimelech says, Will you kill a righteous man? For I didn't know. Didn't she lie? And he lie? Then God says, Yes, they did lie. That's why I'm warning you now. But God had no problem with Abraham that lied. No problem. He didn't, never even spoke to Abram about his life. Listen to what happened. Then he called Abram and said to Abram, the, the message translation said beautiful, it says, What were you thinking when you said this? Then he says, Well, I was scared you guys gonna, that there's no fear of God in this place and that you will kill me for my wife and whatever. Listen to what the king did. The king gave him a thousand pieces of silver. Gave to Abraham. God made the king give Abraham a thousand pieces of silver after lying. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that awesome? And then he was free to dwell in the land. Then you go and read Genesis 26. Here comes Isaac with Rebekah. They ask him, what about your wife? For Isaac. He says, no, this is my sister. <laughs> Generational curse. <laughs> he lies again. He lies. Isaac lies. God never speaks to Isaac about the lie. Never. You know? He, he speaks to the kings. You shall not take. This is what, listen to what happened. The Bible says, and then... Uh, um, Isaac was, what was that English word? Do you know that word? Let me, let me read it. This is funny. I hope I put it in here. Oh, I didn't copy it. But I think the Bible, I think they call it sporting. That's a funny word. So then the, the king looked out of his window and he saw Isaac and Rebecca sporting. <laughs> so now they didn't play soccer. <laughs> Then he said to them, then he said, call this man. They called him. Why? The way you go on with her, I can clearly see she's not your sister. <laughs> he says, why did you do this? Do you want to bring this bad thing over us? And then he explained. You know what? Then the king said, you can farm anywhere you like. And the Bible says, and he was greatly blessed. 
after lying like that. You see, we've made the building blocks of relationship with God, not the character of God, but our efforts to obey laws. I don't say just go and lie, but I want to say this, that your good conduct is not the basis of your relationship with God. The basis of your relationship with God is your inclusion in the Trinity. It's Jesus. He's got a human body seated at the right hand of God. Amen. A human body seated at the right hand of God. And if you've got a human body, you've got the right to have the God kind of life. I end off for a second time. The Bible says in John 17, let me see if I, if I did put this one in here. I think I just... John 17 verse 3. Jesus says, I've come to do your will. I've just put it down here. It says, I've come to do your will, O God. You know, that these people might have eternal life. And this is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and the Son, Jesus Christ. Talk about fellowship in the Trinity. To know you is eternal life. The God kind of quality of life is to know God. You know, if, if, you, if you take a human being, let's talk about our design. A human being will want knowledge. He wants to study. If he sees a whale, he wants to study how the whale talks to the other whale. I don't know what it's going to help, but they want to know how the one whale speaks to the other whale. They want to know how far that voice can go. They look at, at, at uh, uh, um, insects and stuff, and, and they will, even if there's no reason, no medical reason, no reason, they, will, they just want more knowledge. They want to know how the stars work. They want to know all these things, because a human being, in his, and especially when it comes to aliens and stuff, they want to know if there's life out there. Why? Because they want to know that life, and they want that life to know them. That's how a human being is. No man is an island. Nobody wants to live alone. You want to know and be known. Why? Because we've been made in the very image of God. God is a God like that. He wants to know someone and He wants someone to know Him. He's a relationship-orientated being. He's not a boss-slave being. He's a relationship-orientated being. And He said, let us make a man. And when He made man, He rested. Because man was what he ever looked for. He wanted you. He loves you. Who you are is a billion times bigger than what you do. I don't say that who he is will not influence you into a different kind of a life. Thank God that it influenced me into a different kind of a life. I mean, when I was still very small, we did naughty things, man. No, yesterday we spoke about it, my sister, she's now 38, two years younger than me, she said she wants to drive the car. She was in standard two, I was in standard four. I could drive car, but she couldn't drive car. So I said to her, I will show you how to drive a car. Because the mini was standing in front of the, you know those old wooden garage doors that we had years ago? We were standing in front of it, and I, it was supposed to be parked inside. My dad didn't park it inside, he put it in front, in front there. And then we came from school, and it was just a servant girl there and the two of us. So she said, she wants to drive car because she knows I can. I said, okay, this is what you do. You get in the car, you put the clutch, you put in number one or in reverse. What, this is how it works. So what you do is, I said, you put it in reverse, you go back. Then 
you, you leave the clutch slowly, you go back, then you put it in one, then you go into the road. Okay, then you can go and drive there. But me, I know my father. I'm going to stand in the kitchen. And then you're going to drive alone out here. But I'll teach you and you drive. What she did was, she put it in number one. And she keeps the door open. She revs it as high as water can go, leaves the clutch and jump out. She j drove right through the garage. And she fell out. She could have run over herself. The driver running over herself. That's bad. I mean, that's, that, that's how we started out this small. Where do you think would I have ended? I might have been somebody who went to buy grass, you know? <laughs> and maybe sell a lot of grass. I don't know where I might have ended. This love relationship influences your life to a new kind of a life, effortlessly. All I want to say to you people, you know, and I know there are some of you going through hard times, just don't give up on this fellowship and meditating on this word. It works. It works. There was times when I was going through a very bad time financially for some years. But I had joy in that time, you know. And then when you see you can't pay, there is a stress. There's also this normal life. But thank God this normal life is not the, the last word of our life. Amen. There's an inner peace inside you. You stress in your mind. Normally I would stress in my heart when I was under the law. I'll stress in my heart, but in my mind I confess right. When I got in grace, in my mind I'll stress, but I find my heart at peace. It's just the other way around. I know it's going to work out. So just continuing this word of God's unconditional love. And like the one, one of the guys you watch on Facebook, sorry if I use this as an example, love you. He, he, he said to me, Barry, but I'm listening to eight hours a day of your teachings, you know, and I still don't get a change. I said, yeah, bro, you need to relax, man. You're listening to too much gospel. It's true. You know, gospel relationship being, and things sometimes take some time like in any normal relationship. I don't, it's like when I was in America, you know, when you, normally when you're away from home, you start to think these things. What if my wife dies? And I think, yeah, look, if I must get married again, it's going to be an effort, man. It took me 18, 18 years to know her. And it took her 18 years to train her. I didn't say train her. To know her. Now you come with the truth here in public, my brother. So it took me 18 years. And then I think of this knowing, this wonderful relationship we have, where you can know what the other one thinks. We start to understand the other one. The relationship is not just about just having someone else. It is a wonderful relationship. And there's no one that knows you like God. He knows you. And He wants you to know Him. And it's not, you're not going to know Him by... <laughs> seeing him as a boss for he's not a boss he came to reveal himself as father he uses terms like intimacy intimacy my goodness we're scared to say that word in church 
The real word. There's kids here. But the real word, we can't say it. Because it's too intimate. But that's the word that God uses when He talks about Him and man. Intimacy. Like I said in America, intimacy is supposed to be nice. Isn't it? Well, some of you don't know, but yes, it is. It's supposed to be nice. It's supposed to be a wonderful feeling. And that is how it is supposed to be between us and God. A wonderful feeling of God loving and caring for us. And from that place of having that wonderful feeling, we find fruit coming forth like in any other relationship. Outside of that, you'll find, <laughs> you will not find the right fruit. You'll find human effort. So let us rest in who He is and in the wonderful place He's invited us into, the Trinity. Amen. Father, I want to thank You that You love us. I want to thank You that You care for us. I want to pray for every person here today. Practically, the only way we can apply this is just share our heart with You. And we know that You share who You are with us through the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Thank You that You've come to show Your Logos. What's logic? Your logic is indwelling. Not the outside God that is far, but indwelling us. I know you will be highly disappointed, and you are, for being presented as a God that is far. A God that just is in need of servants. Where your first encounter with us, Father, was equality in the likeness you took dust and gave dust the opportunity to have God's kind of life. Thank you for that, my Father. Thank you that you care so much for us. Thank you that in this relationship, we can just, if you've got any sickness or any disease or anything, we thank you for the awesome power you possess. That we can just say, Father, thank you that I know that in this relationship I can be healed and I make use of healing, having a confident expectation of being healed. Thank you, Lord, for that. That any need, anything we have, we communicate in our family, our God's family. And you have the supernatural power to even raise Jesus from the dead. And so you raise our dead emotions into life. You raise up our joy that was dead so long into life that we can be happy again. You give us joy, Lord. And I know in the return of Christ, Every person will even be raised from the dead and having an immortal body, the one Jesus has, enjoying fellowship in the Trinity. Thank you, Lord. You don't force yourself down on us. You call us. You call us. And if you are here today, I want to tell you the first thing we do, if you are here and you say, but I don't, I don't even know exactly what you talk about, Bafti. These things sound difficult and complicated. All I want to tell you is, this is your prayer. Say, Jesus, I hear that you've died for me, and I believe that, and I make use of that. Holy Spirit, explain to me the love of God. That's all you do. And you rest. You'll see He will do it. Thank you, Father. I pray for every person here that's got sickness in your body, that going through hard times, maybe in marriage or in finances, or with your children or whatever. I bring you before my Father. 
And when I look at you, I see someone who is of my equality and the equality of God. And I pray for you and I declare that you are blessed by God, provided for by God. Your mind is enlightened to see the love of God, to understand it and to walk in it by His doing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.